Hey everyone and welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for joining me for another Now What Wednesday. Here we are friends. We are at the final guest episode of the season, episode 99. And I am just so grateful to each and every single one of my guests this season. It's been such a fantastic lineup, so many wonderful stories, and today's is no different. Today, my wonderful friend, Roz, agreed to come on the show when I put out an SOS that I needed one final podcast guest for the season because the person that I had lined up was unfortunately unable to do it. And at the last minute, she agreed to step up and come on the show and share her story about donating blood. She is a longtime blood donor, and this is an initiative that she's very, very passionate about. And this week happens to be National Blood Donation Week here in Canada. So the timing of this episode is absolutely perfect, and we want to promote and help others learn about blood donation and why it's so important to be a donor and go and give blood. So a little bit about Roz, as I said, she is a regular blood donor. She is also a living kidney donor and on the bone marrow registry. She was recognized at the regional award ceremony for her 100th donation, flown to Ottawa for the weekend of, for recognition of organizing 40 plus workplace group blood donations and personally donating blood 115 times to date. She is a lifelong learner currently taking project management courses. She's trained in karate for 20 years and has over 500 hours of yoga teacher training certificate. She's traveled to Okinawa for karate tournaments and for India for yoga retreats. And she was selected by her workplace to visit the Right to Play office in Ghana as part of a volunteer initiative. She is involved in the Corporate Social Responsibility Committee to promote volunteering, blood donation, and general doing good at work. And as a global company, they are aligned to the UN's SDGs, Sustainability Development Goals, with the idea of implementing programs in the workplace to provide employee volunteer opportunities. So without further ado, let's hear from Roz about being a blood donor. Have you ever had a situation happen in your life that you weren't expecting, good or bad, and said to yourself or out loud, oh my gosh, I just fill in the blank, now what? Me too, friend, me too. I've had quite a few actually, and in the moment, I never knew what I was gonna do next. Of course, I had to figure it out, sometimes the hard way, but I did figure it out. So join me and some amazing guests this season as we all share our own, I just blank, now what stories, so we can all learn from their transformational lessons to help us all answer that lifelong and often paralyzing question, now what? Hey friend, did you just think to yourself, I just love this podcast, now what? Well, I hope you do, and if you did, I got the answer. Become a patron and support the show. For just a $5 financial gift a month, you can access episodes early and without ads. Plus, you'll be entered to win our monthly Patreon giveaway, like books and courses from our guests and some fun merch. For just a $10 a month contribution, you'll become an all-access patron and also get bonus exclusive content from me and some of our guests. Behind the scenes, Q&A, bonus questions, all of it. 
So head over to patreon.com backslash I just blank and now what? Or click on the link in the show notes and become a patron today. Well, hello, Roz. Hi, Jessica. Oh my goodness. It is so good to see you. It has been such a long time. I just have the biggest, biggest part of gratitude to you for coming on the show and sharing your story with me. I know you are, you're pinch hitting for me today because we had another guest lined up to wrap up this season and they had to back out, unfortunately. And so I was like, Ooh, who am I going to get to fill the spot? So I'm so grateful for you for stepping in and stepping out of your comfort zone to do this episode with me. Cause I I know you're very nervous, but don't worry. It's going to be awesome. Like we're just going to have a conversation just like it was you and me in my living room chatting like we used to do. Yeah, true. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a topic I'm familiar with, so it should, should be okay. <laughs> I know. I know it's going to be great. Okay. So you are an everyday hero in my mind because you are a regular blood donor. And just the other day, right, right before we re-recorded this episode, you hit your 116th donation of giving blood. Yes, I did. I did. Yes. Which I think is amazing. Um, yeah, I've been doing it a few years. Probably, I think the first time was when I was at university and they presented a blood donor clinic. So I tried that out and yeah, I've been doing it fairly regularly ever since. Okay. So you were in university when you first gave blood. Was there something specific that kind of inspired you to make that first donation? Or was you were just like on campus, you saw the blood drive, you're like, why not? I did see the blood drive and was in, prompted to do that. But my dad had given blood when I was living at home with my parents. So, you know, they were both, yeah, he's, he's encouraged me to do that, I guess, just uh, having that example. So. Oh, okay. So give it a shot. Yeah. So I guess it was, I guess that's, that's actually a good thing to know is like, it was something that you, was brought into your awareness is something that people do because your, your dad did it and you watched him do it. Was he like a regular blood donor too? sort of regular like I, I it's really vague for me at this point but you know we live in a remote community so the blood donor clinics weren't there it, there was no permanent blood donor clinic so it'd be like a, a mobile clinic that would come by every once in a while there are lots more available now and anyone can find a permanent clinic now if they want to to donate uh yeah it was just something that like oh there it is in front of me now so i'll you're like, oh, here's a blood donor clinic. Like, yeah, let me go exactly. do it. This is something that humans do, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Completely um, able to do, yeah. And so what was that first experience of giving blood like for you? Because obviously it can go kind of two ways for people. Like it's like either a really positive experience or not so much. Like what was that? Were you nervous at all yeah. giving blood the first time? If you can like take me back to university. I know it was a long time ago, but like, what was that like for you? (laughs) I guess I just kind of went in. I didn't really have any expectations. You know, when I go in now, it's kind of like the same routine. There's nothing, I know exactly what to expect. So yeah, I just, I really can't think back to that first experience, but I mean, it clearly went okay because I I went back a second time. (laughs) Yeah. I'm pretty sure if it was like a bad experience, you're like never doing this again. Right. I've heard some people have that, like, well, not bad experiences, but just sometimes something might happen and they feel a little faint or something, but the staff at the Canadian Blood Services are really good and they really 
you know, help a person along to feel better about that. But it often doesn't stop a person from do, trying again. Like sometimes just things happen, you know, and, but yeah, of a, the over 100 times I've donated, like I can maybe think of one or two that maybe the nurse took a little extra time to put a needle in or something, but like, didn't kill me. <laughs> it was just a little uncomfortable at the time, but yeah. you know. And then, you know, the, ju- the juice and cookies at the end doesn't hurt, right? <laughs> That's right. (laughs) Okay. So that was the first time you went in university. What kind of inspired you to actually go back and donate blood again? Was it again, you just kind of walked past a a, a blood drive and you're like, oh, might as well. Or were you now like intentionally booking appointments to be like, okay, this is something I'm going to do on the regular. Like how did this all kind of come to be, to be a routine donor? Yeah, I think I did a few times in my 20s. I'm going to give my age away here now that I start talking. But I think it was more in my 30s that I really started to become a regular blood donor for various reasons. And then when I found a workplace that supported that, I was able to rally other people and find other people to go in. And uh, I set up group donations. So with, with the local blood clinic or whatever. So yeah, I just just trying to recruit other blood donors and encourage them. And yeah, everything was all good on the second. Like, it's such an easy thing for me to do. Like, I just feel like, you know, every organization or charity or whatever, they can use time, people's time and money. But, and this is a way I'm giving time. It maybe takes an hour to do go through a full blood donation, the whole process, but it's just something easy to do. Like, I mean, it, it's something that's needed. There's always a need for blood. People need it for getting in accidents or surgeries or whatever. And yeah, it's just something that I can just roll up my sleeve. That was one of the slogans, like you roll up your sleeve, <laughs> you can uh, donate blood. You're like, oh, you read the poster and you're like, I can do that. So you mentioned, you know, your decision to, to kind of keep donating blood for a various, for, for a few various reasons. Are you able to divulge any of those with us? Yeah, sure. I guess, I mean, I'm a little bit competitive in the sense that, you know, you like to see the numbers increase when you go and it's something to do. So, you know, I always, I, I didn't get into the habit of planning my donations throughout the year. You know, I have my next one set up for July. And, uh, you know, at the most minimum, squeeze the most amount of donations in per year. But yeah, like when I was in my early 30s, my my brother was in a car accident and, and, and a fatal accident. So we can talk about it later, but uh, he ended up donating his organs. I had thought for a long time what I could maybe do to honor his name. And I mean, we get into that later too. But I mean, th- this is one sort of thing that was that I did, but it, it led me to the organ and tissue donation thing that I got into later on. So it's through blood services that I learned about organ donation. So yeah, that became a more of a, a reason. And yeah, uh, to honor your brother's yeah, memory. Yeah, just being a champion. Yeah, just to honor his memory and just to champion the whole process, like and support anybody else who can be an organ or a blood donor. So when your when your brother was in his accident, had he already pre-signed up to donate his organs, or did you, as you know, the next of kin and family, make that decision on his behalf of what to do with his organs? Yeah, good question. I don't know. It probably wasn't in the mind of a twenty-seven-year-old to do that. Maybe we were more aware of this type of thing today, but it was on my uh, dad's request that that happened, you know, to make a long story short, I was in Ontario at the time, I'm living in Brunswick now where my family is. And that's where the accident happened. So I mean, I was called, it happened over the course of 
24 hours. He was in the hospital and everything. And when it was determined that he wasn't going to, like he was brain dead. So it's only under those circumstances. It's probably something too, that some people don't know. Like I, I, I could sign my donor card and want to be an organ donor, but it's only under certain circumstances that I'm able to give you my organs once I die. If I'm dead, I'm dead. But only when I'm brain dead am I able to actually pass on any organs. So so that was the case with him. And my dad made that decision to do that. So yeah, that's what he did. He had both of his eyes and several of his organs were donated to uh, I think five or six different people. I think that is like the biggest gift that we can pay forward is is to do that. I, in season one of the podcast, I had a guest come on and share her story of receiving organs, right? She received, oh. she had a double organ transplant. She got kidneys as well as a liver from two different donors. Wow. And I just know how grateful she is for those people who literally, you know, gave their life to be able to save hers. So what a, a beautiful way to kind of honor your brother's memory is to donate his organs and then kind of keep the legacy going on with your organ or with your blood donation. So that I, I can see why that, that giving blood is such an important thing to you now. Yeah. And part, yeah. And part of your, your, well, here's a question. How frequently are you allowed to donate blood? Cause I know you just did it. You're saying, Oh, I'm going back and in July, is there like a window of time that you have to wait between donations? Yes, there is. So it used to be every eight weeks for everybody, 56 days. And if I happen to go to the blood donor clinic and my hemoglobin levels, the iron in my blood at the time are too low, I'm ineligible to give blood on that day. So I'm going to have to wait eight more weeks before I'm eligible again. They need, they want you to spend that time to ramp that up in your blood. However, now for the last, I think in the last five or six years, they've changed it. So women can donate every three months. So every 12 weeks, regardless of age <laughs> and, and men remain at the eight week mark. So yeah, so every 12 weeks I'm scheduled to go. Every 12 weeks. So you kind of have like a standing appointment, like, like most people have like a repeat, you know, hair or nail appointment. Like they, they, yes. they book <laughs> the next one when they're leaving the salon. You're like, okay, let me like schedule in my next appointment for me to come back and donate again every 12 weeks. That's awesome. I mean, and they make it easy too. like now they have apps and you go in and you check in on a nice little screen there and they say book your next appointment. So it's just a matter of a click and then you're all set and they send you emails and everything. So yeah, super easy, streamlined these days. <laughs> You mentioned being very, very competitive. <laughs> I'm also very competitive too. And I guess that was kind of what kind of helps you urge yourself to like, okay, I'm going to come back. Like, I'm going to see how, how, how high up the rank I can, I can go. Is there like in the blood donation world, like, is there like a little bit of a leaderboard where you can actually see where you rank in the country compared to other donors? Is like oh. that how you kind of got onto that? I, I, didn't it was more just it's so much easier to compete against yourself in some <laughs> hell. so I, I try to stick stay there but it is kind of cool I think a time or two ago one of the nurses at the blood donor clinic said I was probably one of the highest in the region for women at least so maybe overall but I'm not sure there, there's probably sets somewhere that say that you know there's always this social media posts about people who hit certain marks and whatnot. I got to go to Ottawa when I was recognized for organizing group donations at work. 
And then when I hit my 100, I was recognized in Moncton with a bunch of other people who, who some had more, some had left fewer donations. So yeah, it's it's a it's a marker for sure. And with the group donations, like there's a group, we have, I don't know, two or three dozen people that will regularly donate. And we used to literally physically go as a group from work and go to the blood donor clinic. And when we lived further away, the blood van would come and pick us up and take us there. But we went from, so that started about 11 years ago at, at my workplace. And we had between 20 and 30 donations per year. So we always had a group goal as well. But now we're edging up to 35, 40. And this year we set it at 50. So we set it at 50 because there's one member that also donates plasma. So you donate plasma every week. I've never done that myself. I've always donated whole blood. So when you hear really high numbers, that's probably a plasma donor, like hundreds and hundreds. So one to 200, I think is in a reasonable range for a high whole blood donor. So there's a little bit of difference there, but so, yeah, so, so what, what's the difference between just donating plasma and donating whole blood? Like how would they get your plasma if they're not just taking all of your blood? Yeah. Well, the science is unbelievable. I did go through like their labs in Ottawa on that, on that tour, Yeah, but it's quite a process. I mean, the whole blood does comprise of plasma and other components, I'm not a science person, but the plasma is just a piece of it and they use it for other it's a, it's a blood product, just like whole blood. So it just is used in different ways. So. I guess that regenerates a lot faster in our bodies, which is why someone can kind of donate that one probably a bit more frequently than, than you know, yeah. eight or 12 weeks mm-hmm. if they're allowed to go and do that every week. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So, so you were like the team leader at your workplace of like, <laughs> guys, let's do this blood drive. What was your kind of response the first time you proposed this at the office? And, you know, did you have lots of volunteers? Like, was there a specific reason you guys were going to go do it? What kind of, what can I kick that off? I think it's fairly easy to find birds of a feather. They flock together. Uh, there's a core group of blood donors that we, I mean, we still encourage each other and share our results and donor experiences on on Slack at our workplace and we're still tracking our, our our progress and everything so yeah it was fairly easy and you know as new employees start I'll send out little messages and, you know you find people who are interested in that sort of thing and then they just kind of join and continue on and encourage everyone so it was like join the blood the blood donation team part of like the official like onboarding system with HR now at that company yeah that's fantastic oh my gosh I love that I think that I wish more organizations included you know things like this in their welcome package to employees to say hey this is part of the culture here at this at this company and this is something that we support and love hope you want to participate right yeah exactly I mean our organization is part of partners for life is the blood services we'll call it like really large organizations will have blood donor, the blood team come to them type of thing. They might have the facilities to host that type of thing. You need a certain amount of space. I had tried that before at a smaller workplace. It didn't turn out. So I was just really happy. They didn't come to our workplace at all, but we were close enough to a clinic that we were able to go. So yeah, it's all good. So if someone out there is listening and they're like, oh, I want to like organize a blood drive, like what are some of the things that they need to know and how, what are the steps to go through setting that up? (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, they'd have to have a target audience in mind, like maybe it's their community or people on the street or something, maybe their school or classroom or small workplace, find out where the blood donor clinic is. If there isn't one, I think now, like, I mean, my, my, my niece just turned 17, so she's 
newly eligible to be a blood donor and asked me about that process. So, but in her town, there, there's only a mobile clinic that goes maybe every two or three months, I was told. So, you know, for that, she would have to maybe recruit her friends and say, hey, here's the date, here's the time, let's, you know, she has to sign up for a donor ID and then make an appointment. There, there used to be walk-ins. I think they now, since COVID, they want appointments just to just control the atmosphere and everything. When I went yeah. yesterday, there was one of the schools from Moncton went in, different students, they're all first-time donors turning 17 and the prior day, a different high school, a bunch of students were there as well, donating, donating blood for the first time. So yeah, this is now jogging my memory of I, I believe the first time that I donated blood was actually in high school. And you know, they came and they they set up in the gymnasium. And we all like, could, yes. you know, di- different periods of the day, we all went down to great donate blood. So now I'm remembering I'm like, Oh, yeah, I, I remember the first time I actually donated blood, I was in high school. Well, there you um, go. Yeah. Like larger metropolitan areas would be able to do that, you know, and we're in re- remote in New Brunswick, so there's fewer clinics, but yeah, it's still possible for sure. <laughs> and I guess I didn't, I don't think I even knew that, but like 17 is like the, the eligibility to donate blood. Yes, it is. And they require a certain weight and height as well as a first time donor. So like if I'm a if you're only four or nine, you're not able to give unless you become a certain age. And then, you know, you're fully grown at that point. Like, I think I was just reading it's 23. If I happen to be a short person at 17, they might not let you. They just want to be sure. They don't want anything to happen to you. You're the donor. You're special. You you have to be in good health when you leave, <laughs> just as, as, as in good health as when you arrive. So they don't want anything to happen. It's all just kind of a precaution. That totally makes sense that they probably wait till, you know, kids are 17 to be able to donate. Just also having like, you're, you're, you're big enough to actually be able to donate and, you know, you're, you'll survive with, you know, a pint of blood being taken from you today and and, and be okay. (laughs) Yes. I think like that's jogging my memory. Now I have a girlfriend who is very petite. She's four, four, 10 or four, 11. And barely a hundred pounds. I'm pretty sure she was not eligible to donate in high school with the rest of us. Like that, that actually sounds familiar to me. (laughs) And maybe some people, people, people with small veins, you know, like sometimes it takes so long or take, it's just too slow. So, you know, they don't let the process go on for half an hour, an hour. Usually you can bleed out the 450 milliliters of blood in five to 10 minutes type of thing. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. So all individual, some people aren't eligible ever. Some people are ineligible for short periods of time because, you know, if you travel to certain parts of the world where there's malaria risk, you have to wait 12 months. If you get a piercing or have dental work, you have to wait three months, that type of thing. So there's oh, always, so there are a lot yeah. of rules actually around donating blood yeah. that people need to be aware of. Okay. Awesome. Okay. So when you were kind of like getting your numbers up there, when did the goal of like going for hundred kind of kick in? Like at what point in your donation, like timeline, was it like, oh, I'm at 25 donations now. Oh, I want, I want to run for a hundred. Like what was that thought process? For uh, you? I, I was probably 
in the 80s or 90s before I really plotted out when I'll hit, hit my 100. Like I, I did really literally plot it out like every eight or 12 weeks, whatever it was at the time. I think it was 2018 that I got my 100. But yeah, I mean, I was like, okay, I just have to make sure I my, my hemoglobin's good. I drink lots of water and for all my appointments and then I'll hit it at a certain point. But yeah, I'll just keep going. Like, you know, it's just one number, you know, a higher number. So yeah. Do you, do <laughs> you have do another, like, you're going to do it till you can't. That's an awesome goal, but like, yeah. are you, are you, yeah. is there like a milestone number that you're now like really excited for, excited for like, oh, I can't get, wait till I get to this. <laughs> well, now that you mention it, I have to work it out when I can reach my next big milestone, but I don't know what they consider milestones. They'll, they'll tell me, <laughs> maybe it's 125, 150. I don't know, but it'll be a few years away. <laughs> and when you were acknowledged and recognized for your hundredth donation, did you get like a certificate? Did you get a medal? Like, did you get like an extra yeah. jumbo cookie that day? Like what happened? <laughs> <laughs> it was like in a Delta hotel downtown in Moncton. And um, yeah, they had like finger foods and stuff like that. It was a small crowd and yeah, they had presentations. I got to go up and, and meet some cool people and they gave me a framed certificate with the hundred donation on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I brought my mom. <laughs> you brought your mom. Oh, I'm sure she must've been so proud. So I was just, I, you know, is there, as a donor, do you ever get, you know, to find out like, Hey, guess what? You know, you, you saved this life or, you know, your blood was used for this. Do they ever communicate to you and say, mm-hmm. thank like a, like a special thank you. And been like, you saved this small child. Not that specific, but being a universal donor. So I have O negative blood. Anybody can take my, everybody can use my blood basically. So I, I went flippantly said, oh, they can use my blood anywhere and they use it for emergencies. But of course they do test it. But once they have tested O negative blood, they can like freely use it to, for, for any patient or anybody that needs it. So, so uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure yeah, there's I, actually a bunch of people in your community who have you to thank for their, your donation. Cause you're <laughs> like, yeah, if you were had surgery anytime in the last, you know, you know, whatever, you're probably using my blood. But any of the blood types too, I mean, there's only so much reserve of them. So mm-hmm. I think even on the can't, the blood services site, they'll, they'll show the levels of sites. We have like three days of BNAG blood and, and two days of A blood, that type of thing. So fortunately we have regular donors every day, but yeah, the blood bank can dry up if any catastrophe happens. So it's really important just to keep it alive. <laughs> Um, so you said you're, you're O negative. So you are considered a universal donor. So for those people who are not really familiar with a, a B positive negative, can you unpack that a little bit for people just so that they understand what that means? Yeah, a little bit because <laughs> I could have brushed up on the science piece of this, but everybody has either a B, A, B, or O blood. And then there's an RH factor, positive or negative. And even though like AB is a small group of donors, like people, people, there's fewer people in the world that have AB, but they can accept AB and they can accept O-neg blood. So it's so just they're the, they're the universal. Thing. They're the universal receivers. Recipient. So they, can get, they, yeah, they can get blood from anybody, but yeah. their blood, when they donate it, can only go to AB people. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then you as an O negative, you can donate to anybody, but you can only receive from O. Yeah. Is it, is it right. specific to O negative or you could just receive any O blood? O, o negative. O negative. Okay. It's o negative. specific. To, yeah. Seems kind of, 
not to use the word fair or unfair, but it seems like a little, <laughs> you know, unfair, like you are a universal donor and you can like give it to anybody, but you can, you can, there's very limited people that you can receive from. Um, and then on the other side, like these ABs are like, yeah, we can take anybody, <laughs> but we're only giving to this little group over here. So was that part of like the, you know, part of the motivation for you two to be a regular donor, knowing that you're Ogan negative and your blood could really help tons of people out there? I think it plays a part. It puts some sort of significance on it for sure. Like it, it can be used, but I mean, I see the call for all sorts of blood types that they need, you know, on a regular basis, but yeah, it it does. It, it, it is significant. I think, you know, I mean, it'd be, wouldn't be the worst thing if all donors were owning, but it's important for all donors to, or all people of all blood types to donate a blood, I think. So for anyone who's listening, who has never donated blood before, and are inspired by your story, what words of encouragement would you share with them to consider donating blood? It might be a good idea to find someone who's donated blood before and just hear what they have to say. Anybody, like if I can encourage anybody and you want to reach out to me, please do. But, you know, the blood.ca, easy way to find the Canadian Blood Services website. And they have a ton of information. There's like tons of information about eligibility and all the science types of questions you were asking. They have a lot of stats and everything. And uh, yeah, it's just really you can get a lot of information there. The first step would be like to register, get a blood donor ID, and then visit a clinic. And, you know, there's going to be some initial questions that they ask. You have to fill out a little questionnaire before you go or there. Once you get there, it's either way. Um, and then a nurse will ask you some questions, take your blood pressure, prick your finger to make sure your hypoglobin level is fine. And yeah, then you get a a few files for testing, roll up your sleeve. Yeah. (laughs) I'm of the era. I remember that campaign of, you know, give blood. It's, it's, it's in you to give. Yes. Yes. Which I thought was like just such a great line because it's it's so true. It it is in you to give. And that's the only way we can get blood is from donors. It's not something we can manufacture in a lab or generate somewhere else. Yeah. that's one of my favorite slow slogans. I try to come up with earlier, but that's it. <laughs> it's a to give. It's, like, it's, it's so, to so give. easy. Just someone it's for someone else to take it out of you. <laughs> yeah. Have, have, obviously, you're at, you know your your story is really inspiring. And you mentioned you know your niece now really wants to start going to donate, and she came to you. And like in addition to your obviously your blood drive crew, which you know you've encouraged tons of people there. Has anyone else ever come to you and said, hey, Roz, you t- you know, thank you for posting or telling me about being a blood donor. You inspired me to go and donate. A few people here and there. Yeah, I, I, I see. I mean, I try to do that just every time I go, I'll try to post it on social media just to advertise the fact that I'm doing it and hopefully encourage people by doing it. Like it's a fairly easy process, at least for me. Maybe other people have a little anxiety about it. I have anxiety about other things. So, you know, if anyone needs <laughs> some assistance, to help go or yeah, I can help lead them there. But has anyone ever reached out to you to say, Hey, thank you. You inspired me to go donate. Yeah. 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 A few people. Well, usually was, at work. Cause usually, uh, yeah, yeah, they, was there like a, a, any story that sticks out in mind of somebody who, who reached out to you? I know one particular donor, I think he hit 10 donations recently and his first time or two wasn't the best either, but he really wanted to, he, 
you know, be a blood donor. And he didn't let, I think he felt maybe a little faint or something at, at some point, or I'm not sure, but you just kind of stay a little longer and, and you feel good. Sometimes it's the idea of it. I'm not sure exactly what happens physically, but <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's just good. Like, I mean, I, I, it's not up to me. He, he, he did the work, he did the blood donation and he went back again, even in the face of adversity. So, um, <laughs> so he's already out yeah. to 10 donations and he's like, I'm coming for you, Raz. I'm coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. So you're going to keep donating until you're until forever, right? Until you're not able to donate anymore. And what would you say is the thing that inspires you every, 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 every 12 weeks to like, just go back? Just the fact that I can, and I know that it's doing good. Like I know it's not a waste, like, you know, you can do something nice for someone and I mean, they may or may not appreciate it or, or whatever. Maybe you don't hear about it, but I, I know every time you walk into a blood clinic and they're the nicest staff ever, like they make you feel so welcome and and that you're doing like the best thing in the world. And they are so grateful for your donation and just being there. And they encourage you to come back. They're, they're just awesome people. Like it's, it's just a whole really good experience and you feel really good by doing it. So I have this little book here and it's called The Little Book of Self-Care. And it's 200 oh. Ways to Refresh, Restore and Rejuvenate. And I got okay. this book several years ago as a Christmas present from a Kris Kringle that I was in. So it was a secret Santa. I had no idea who gave me the book, but this was my gift. And I've been going through the book and doing all of the 200 self-care activities. (gasps) Wow. number 177 in the book is participate in a blood drive. Get out. As an act of self-care. Get out. Self-care. Self-care. That's awesome. So my question to you is like, obviously you, you're the donor, you're giving your blood, but do you actually consider, you know, this 12 week appointment for yourself to go donate blade part of your own self-care routine? I guess when you put it that way, it kind of does make sense. Like I have been told that it, it makes you feel better. Like, I mean, I feel good afterwards, but you know, not just for giving, but I think your body has a chance to generate some blood. It takes, you know, a few weeks to fully do that, but uh, yeah, maybe so. Maybe it is caring for myself. It's always a good I, thing to I think, incorporate. I think so. So yeah. So yeah. Participate in a blood drive is 177 that's, in my little self-care book. Really cool. So now that we've had this conversation, I'm going to go and book myself into an appointment to that's go donate some blood. Yay, as, as, as part of, you know, part of my little book here that I, I had intended to do all 200 of these um, experiences. Wow. And, um, and yeah, so that's what I'm going to do, you know, following up from this episode is I'm going to go and book Excellent. the appointment and put on my calendar. Awesome. And I think, and I think that's probably the reason why so many regular donors donate is because it's in their schedule and they make the plan to go and donate on the regular, right? It's kind of like any other appointments that they have in their life. It's like it's anything. Part of it. You got to schedule like it or it ain't going to get do. done, right? Like, I mean, you want to go across the room, you have to put one step there, another step, another step forward. Like it, it, you just have to move forward, just, move towards it. 
Yeah. Just decide yeah. that you're going to go and do it and then take yeah, the steps. Make a to decision. Yeah. Book the appointment and show up and, you know, roll up the sleeve and then get your, get your cookie. <laughs> and chips. They want something sweet and something salty. So clean oh, potato chips. <laughs> oh, that's good. And that's actually probably going to be even more helpful for me because I think the reason that I've been a little bit hesitant in donating blood again, obviously I did it in high school, I, you know, one or two times, but in like more recent years, I've discovered that I actually have low blood pressure. Okay. So Uh yeah. So upon learning that I have low blood pressure and then having surgery, you know, a little while ago and they're like, oh, you have, you know, your, your, your resting blood pressure is on the low side. I think that's what's kind of made me a little bit hesitant on like donating blood because I'm like, oh, how am I going to feel if they, you know, Uh, after a donation, but I've learned some tricks and salty food is definitely one of the things that I've been told really helps people who have low blood pressure. So if you're feeling a little faint or feeling a little woozy, like the thing for me is like, give me salt. Give me the salt yeah. and then it helps me and my pressure go up a little bit. But so I'm going to pack some of my own extra snacks, but I'm going to head in and go for a uh, donate some blood because I think it's really important. And that leads us to the conversation about organ transplant. So I'm going to make the assumption, are you an organ donor too? Like, have you written, have you signed the back of your license to say that you want to be a, don- a donor? Yeah, I have, but I've also already donated a kidney. <laughs> you have? Oh my gosh. Okay. So you've not only are a blood donor, you're now an organ donor. Talk to us about that. What was that about? (laughs) Well, it was, it was, yeah, it it was from Canadian blood services website. And I saw something about living kidney donation. That's what it was a living kidney donor. So yeah, I just kind of read a little bit about it and wondered if I could do that too. (laughs) So I think it was 2009. I just kind of, through Toronto General Hospital, I, I, I well, I mean, I, I got the information. I went through a, a slew of tests for two solid days, like GANs and things. Like, if you, I mean, if you thought going to give blood and like I, I considered giving blood a way to check my my iron levels, you know, make sure I'm on par. So doing this, like, I was in prime condition. <laughs> so after all these tests, I was like, okay, now you can be an organ donor. So after I was physically accepted and yeah, eligible to donate yeah. a kidney, I had to actually speak to a psychologist too, to make sure I wasn't crazy or depressed or want to have a death wish of some kind, you know, like they have to make sure you're sound mind in order to donate an organ. And it was all good, except for I hadn't really explained it to my family very well, <laughs> my intentions. So I had to come home and tell my husband and, and you know, I kind of wanted to have it all out of the way and see if I was even eligible first. So I, 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 yeah, I mean, he was a little concerned too. So he came and talked to the psychiatrist with me <laughs> and, and, and it turned out fine. Like, I mean, I needed a support system at home. They won't like just sign off if you don't have people to help and support you in this process and then I ended up writing a letter to my family like my parents and my three sisters um, about what my intentions to go through this big ordeal <laughs> instead of just calling them on the phone so I, I just mailed it and yeah and that's what happened it, it was a, a paired exchange so there was like three different three different people who needed 
a kidney and I guess I completed the chain. So someone donated to someone and then they're, so basically who I donated to was a man recipient. His wife wasn't able to donate to him, but I think she donated to someone else, that type of thing. Oh, she wasn't a match. Yeah. She was- so she wasn't yeah, that's able right. to donate that's right. her kidney to him personally. So she's like, I'll donate my kidney to someone else as in, in thanks of somebody donating a kidney to him. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the idea. So I think there was a, like a total of th- two pairs that three people got their, yeah. There's someone that ends up getting it without knowing anyone basically. So yeah. It's just and you ended up giving, and you ended up giving to someone that you did not know and you didn't receive. Yeah, that's right. Receiving. Anonymous so, donor. It was supposed to happen in like December 2009, but then, you know, everyone has to be, every, everything has to work perfectly and everyone's health has to be in the right condition. So I think one donor recipient had to drop out and I ended up donating June 2010. Okay. And it was anonymous. So you don't know who you donated to and they don't know you. That's right. I did receive a little note in the hospital from the the guy. And that's why I know it was a man. He basically said like, thank you. He, he had his wife and a small dog, no children, but he said it was a, like a long, slow March being on dialysis, like three or four times a week, you know, it kind of interrupts a person's life. So he was grateful for not having to go through that. Yeah. And that was it. And I don't know anything else, but it. <laughs> wow. Okay. So you are a true everyday superhero in my mind <laughs> now, even more so than I know that not only do you donate your blood on the regular, but you literally actually gave, you donated an organ, you gave your kidney away. What was that, what was that experience like? So obviously it's full on surgery, right? Like you had to go in, yes. like how much time off work did you have to take? Like, what was the whole experience like? Oh. So that was another thing. My workplace was awesome. It's the same workplace I'm at now. They gave me, like, I mean, they told the, the hospital told me I'd need six to eight weeks. So HR was like, take eight weeks. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So I had it all booked. Yeah, I, I went in early one morning and I came home three days later and just kind of walked slow and just got back to normal. I recovered over it. Was, yeah, it was major surgery. I, I managed to get laparoscopic. So it was kind of less major than. And this is the other way. Cut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's mm-hmm. And I learned it's my left kidney because uh, apparently the right kidney on people is more intricately connected. So it's often the left kidney that they'll take. And uh, yeah. Wow. And so I guess what was your family's reaction to you telling them that you were going to be a, an organ donor? Quite concerned. They were concerned. I mean, unnecessary major surgery. <laughs> like who signs up and for that? Were, Apparently you yeah, did. They, <laughs> yeah, they aren't, they weren't in province. So, you know, I didn't get any, uh, any visits or calls <laughs> to like not do it or whatever, <laughs> but yeah, it turned out all right. I ended up coming back to New Brunswick for a visit towards the end of the eight weeks and yeah, it was all good. I was almost back to normal by then. I mean, going back to work, it was a little bit taking a, a little bit of adjustment, you know, like you it's just not the same, but then, you know, gradually you build your strength up and everything and it all became normal again. Oh, wow. Okay. So you have donated a kidney. If, if you are able to donate other organs at the time of your passing, are you signing up with yes. the rest of you to do that? Yeah, very like, yeah, I am. A person can also donate their liver or a piece of their liver. And I had considered that, but I'm not sure I'll go through it. <laughs> 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 my life. 
<laughs> Ross, I think you're good. I think the fact that you donate blood every 12 weeks, you've given a kidney. I think people will be okay with you. Like I'm going to hold on to my whole liver until I no longer need it. Um, I guess wow. Well, that's awesome. Oh my gosh. I didn't know that about you. So I learned something new and I think that's fantastic. So if somebody wants to just like sign up to see if they're, they qualify or they're eligible to, to be a living organ donor, what's the process for that? Like, I know you said you saw the, the poster in, you know, the blood services place, but then what, like, what did you do? You had to like (laughs) apply online. Like they call, what's that process like? Yes, I think I found a lot of the information online on the on the blood services website, and they sent me a huge package, and then I had to fill out a hundred forms, and then all the testing and whatnot. So, I mean, they could probably rule you out sooner than later, but yeah, if you just just keep going, that's all I did. I just kept going through the process, and <laughs> it's it's kind of funny. Like I was at work, and I requested a couple of days off personal time, and they're like. They thought I was going to like look for a new job or something. They were concerned. Uh, my manager pulled me aside and he's like, oh, okay, <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Well, all right. So, no, yeah. no problems here. So wh- from the time you decided to, you know, investigate becoming an organ donor to the time you actually donated your kidney, what yeah. was the time frame like on that? Jeez, I think it was over a year. Like, I over think it was... Yeah, I think it was like the better part of 2009 and I was supposed to do it at the end of the year, but then it got pushed like six more months before the surgery actually happened. So all the, all the, all the everything had to be in a row and ready to go type of thing. So yeah, it's just a waiting game at that point. And now is that an experience that you encourage other people to also think about and consider and do, or you're like, after going through with it, you're like, no, like, I mean, it was pretty seamless. The only thing like I've not been hospi- hospitalized for anything, you know, in recovery in the hospital. I don't know, like it depending on what kind of surgery, but like there was like air, they call it gas that gets left in your body after you get like sewn up or whatever. And that gas leaving your body is a little bit painful. Like, I mean, it's just, it, it, it's, it's like something on your chest or something. I think really, I really bad indigestion. <laughs> kind of, it really, it, it, that's really essentially yeah. what it is. It passes in a few minutes. <laughs> I remember hitting my pain thing in the middle of the night. I think I just rolled and something released. And but that was the extent of it. Like after that, like I, you know, I slept a lot and you know, rest yeah, and they take good care of you. Rest mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing the story. It turned out to be even a bigger story than I originally oh, thought. <laughs> I thought it was just about you know. 116 blood donations, but here we are. You also donated a kidney. <laughs> so if people are interested in learning more about either blood donations or being a living organ donor, where can people find you? Where do you like to hang out on the interwebs? You know, I'm usually on Facebook. I am on Instagram, also LinkedIn, Twitter. Yeah. I mean, you can Google Rosalind Corey Clark and you can find me somehow. <laughs> I have yeah. a blog somewhere where I documented everything about the kidney donation, but it's on Blogger and it's kind of very rudimentary, but it's, it's the information. So, (laughs) okay. Well, we're going to put all of that information in the show notes. If people want to learn more, they can definitely reach out to find you. Roz, thank you so much. I cannot even begin to tell you how wonderful and amazing of a human that I think you are. You're a true (laughs) inspiration and congratulations on your very first podcast. 
Yes, thank you, Jessica, for making it very seamless and encouraging me to do it. I appreciate yeah. that and, and all your support. Uh, and I think this is a story that you need to share more. So great that you have a blog t- you know, talking about the, the kidney donation. Maybe you need to update it. Maybe you need to kind of talk about, yes, you know, maybe. Being, being a hundred plus, you know, a blood donor <laughs> and, you know, the next goal that you're going for and, and, and document, you know, the, the run from where you are now to that next big goal. That would be really yeah. cool content for the internet, I think. Yeah. You're my next impetus to keep, keep, keep me going to encourage keep it going. me to do the awesome. next thing. All right, listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. I hope you found it as inspiring as I did. If this episode resonated with you, Roz and I encourage you to go and sign up at your local blood drive and donate some blood if you are eligible and able. And if you think that this could be inspiring for somebody else, please, please, please share this episode with them because it might inspire them to think about what they would like to do with their own blood, as well as organs, if maybe they want to become a living organ donor as well. So that is it for us for this week. And we will be back for another episode of I Just Blank, Now What? Thanks, Roz. And we'll talk to you real soon. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it more than I can say. Did you love this episode of I Just Blank, Now What? If you did, be sure to subscribe on your fave podcast platform. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. I do love reading them. And if you know somebody who's experiencing this story or something similar, please share this episode with them. It just might help them figure out the answers to their own now what questions. Have you recently had a now what moment and aren't sure what to do? Reach out to me at jessicastevens.ca and submit your story and I'll help you figure out what to do, how to move forward and help you answer now what. See you on the next episode.